You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 15. While you're turning there, let me introduce myself. My name is Mark Weibel. I'm one of the staff pastors here. I want to bring a report on Pastor John and Jared and the team. Uh, If you hadn't heard, they left last Sunday and on the way right as they were getting to the airport, uh, they got word that the president of Uganda had basically shut the country down. Uh, Welcome to traveling to Uganda and having a missions conference or a pastor's conference for 400 pastors. They uh, decided, they said, Lord, what do we do? I mean, they said, you can't gather in more than 20 people. And the Lord told them to go ahead and go in faith. And so in faith, the team left and went and got there 46 hours later and uh, was, they, were, they had a, a wonderful time. It's been a little bit different than what they had planned. But one of the things that I felt was really cool was they were uh, at, rest, they're at Restoration Gateway, which is uh, an orphanage. And uh, there at the orphanage, they have several hundred uh, young people. And they decided to go ahead and let the older students come and be a part of the pastor's conference. And they, our team just said, you know what, what, what we're saying maybe is, is that this is an opportunity for us to impact the next generation of pastors and worship leaders and teachers and servants within the church. And so continue to pray for Pastor John and Jared and the team uh, as they continue uh, this week. Um, Pastor John will be back, uh, Lord willing, in the pulpit next week. But uh, they'll be traveling home Thursday and Friday of this, of this week. We're talking this summer about the Ark of Redemption. Today we're going to look at the Abrahamic Covenant and how it compares with the New Covenant. We're going to look in Genesis chapter 15. Um, But I want to start with this. Uh, When I was a kid, uh, about 10 years old in the summer of 1965... Um, it was, I volunteered for a duty with my mom. It was called the assistant grocery shopper. And uh, during the summer, I would attend, I would go with her to the A&P supermarket and uh, I would go and help her with the groceries. Now, lest you think that I had any not noble intentions, uh, I, I got to come clean and tell you that the honest truth was is that back in the day, And I'm fixing to lose anybody that's under 50, okay? So I I realize that. But back in the day, they had what was called S&H green stamps. Anybody remember S&H? There we go. Yeah, well, okay, good. All the old people are, woo-hoo. Yeah, all right. So so, um, you had S&H green stamps. And you took S for for you young people. They were that's a a, a uh, the the first generation of a rewards program. Basically, you'd go and you would buy things, and they would give you these stamps, and you had then a book. Ah, you had a book and you would lick the little gummy things and you would stick them in the books. Remember that? Remember those days? You'd stick them in the book. 1,200 stamps to fill up a book, okay? And so you would paste them in the book. But in the meantime, they sent you a handy dandy idea book. And it had in it everything that you could want and desire. And in this thing, as a little 10-year-old boy, I was captivated on page 152 by one specific item. Here it is, up on the screen, number nine, the thermos double mantle lantern. And I will tell you, it took six and a half books to get that. And so during the summer, 
Mom, don't we need to go to the grocery store? And if you went, you went on, does anybody remember when you went? You went on Wednesdays because Wednesdays were double green stamps. There we go. Got some really old people in here. That's great. So you always, you know, you'd hang on through Tuesday to, you know, you're barely making it eaten because you do on Wednesday you were going to the grocery store because you could get double green stamps and you could get to the lantern a lot faster. So anytime mom would jump in the car, I'd say, no, 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 don't go today. Go tomorrow, mom, because we got to get double green stamps. And then I will never forget the day that it came that I filled my six and a half books. Anybody remember where you took the books to trade them in? What it was called? The Redemption Center. We have the S&H Green Stamp Redemption Center. And in that Redemption Center was every imaginable thing. You could walk in and you could redeem. You could take your books and you could say, this used to be mine, but I'm giving them to you because I am going to redeem that, cold, that, that uh, thermos lantern. And on that day that we finally filled out the six and a half books and we drove down to 2900 Seminary Drive, Fort Worth, Texas. I still remember it. And my little 10-year-old body walks in. Well, I wasn't little. But my little, my 10-year-old buddy walks in and, and hands the, the things that I said, I want what's mine. They said, what do you want? And I said, I want that lantern. And they gave me that lantern. Today, we're going to talk about the redemption, the ark of redemption. We're talking about that this whole summer. I, I want to do one thing. I want to introduce some very special people to me today. Um, my daughter, Joy, left her husband and four kids to come down and hear uh, me preach today. And my son, Noah, and his wife, Brooke, also came uh, here. They grew up in this church. were a part of this church. They heard that I was preaching, and so they decided they'd come down and honor me. And I just realized I needed to honor them. So honor you guys. Thank you so much. Anyway, the sermon series this summer is on the Ark of Redemption. We want to see from Genesis to Revelation God's desire, his action, and his completion of redeeming his creation back to himself. Last week, Pastor John started us off in Genesis chapters 1 through 11, and, and he talked to us about the nature of the Redeemer and the nature of humanity, the nature of sin, the, the nature of the, uh, the glimpses of grace. We, we saw that Satan will be defeated. We saw that sin will be destroyed, that we saw that God's people will be rescued, that God's creation will be restored, and that ultimately God will be praised because he pursues the guilty and he covers the shameful. Today, my task is to take a look at the Abrahamic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant and compare it to the new covenant. Now, let me just say, it's kind of like when you get on an airplane and you take off and you're flying up and you know you're flying you know, over uh, Dallas and you're flying over Houston and you're flying over you know, Lubbock and you're flying, well, nothing's important in Lubbock. Uh, there's, you know, you're, flying all these, you're flying over all these cities and you know looking down that there's a lot of really great things and people sitting next to you can go, you know, hey, hey, boy, let me tell you about that. There's a museum down there. There's this festival down there. And, and you know that there's so much stuff that you're just flying over to get to your destination. And I will tell you that as I looked at this uh, Abrahamic covenant today and then the new covenant and comparing the two, I, I thought there's no way. I mean, it'd take six weeks just to even talk about those things. 
So join me in, in a flight as we get up above 30,000 feet and we look at these things knowing, there, I know that you're going to be sitting there going, but he didn't mention this and he didn't say that. And guess what? You get to dig those things out and you can email me and that'll be great. That'll be, I'd love to see that. I will tell you, I cut out about 30 pages of notes onto the floor of just things that I just couldn't cover. So just understand with me that there's going to be things that I miss in this. So just stick with me as we go on this 30,000 foot journey. The Ark of the Redemption, Ark of Redemption through the Abrahamic Covenant. In Genesis chapter 15, we see that the Abrahamic Covenant begins with a promise from God. God promises a people, and he promises a place. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. There's a promise right there. Verse 3, Abram said, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Not so fast, the Lord says. The word of the Lord came. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. There is a promise of an heir, a promise of a son. So first of all, a reward of people, but then a reward of a son from his own body. A firstborn son is promised there. Notice the similarities between that and our salvation in Jesus. And we're not going to cover those things because those are the, uh, those are the ones that we got to go fly low on. We're flying high today. And he brought him outside and he said, look toward the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. So shall your offspring be. Let me put a little pause right there. He, 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 the, the angel takes Abram outside and he says, look up at the stars and that's how plentiful you are going to be. Let me tell you that when he did and he looked at the stars, you know who he saw? He saw you and me. This is God speaking of us from the past into the future. You are going to have offspring more numerous than the stars. If we are in Christ, that's who we are. Verse 6 says, and he believed the Lord and he counted him to righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur to give you this land to possess. So the very first thing we see in the Ark of the Redemption is a promise. And the promise is for a people and a place. The second thing that we see in the Ark of Redemption in the Abrahamic Covenant is this. It begins with a promise from God, but it is initiated and kept by God. It requires a blood sacrifice and God alone makes the covenant. Let's just jump back into Genesis chapter 15 verse 9, staying there. The Lord said, bring me a heifer. This is God speaking with Abram. Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And Abram brought him all of these things and cut them in half. Abram cuts them in half except for the birds and he laid each half over against the other. Verse 11 tells about the fact that Abram is fighting off the birds of prey and then in verse 12 as the sun was going down a deep sleep fell on Abram. A dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. So, so here's this covenant. God says, bring me these things. And Abram cuts these animals and lays them out. There's a goat and a heifer um, and, and, and a ram. And he's got them laid out. And he's fighting off the birds. And the sun's going down. And Abram's getting tired. And, and, and he falls asleep. Verse 13 to 16 says in, to, to his dream, the Lord speaks to Abram and tells him about his offspring and about 400 years of captivity. But he's going to bring them back into the land. And then verse 17 says, this is very, very important. Verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pet pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your offspring, 
I give this land. Now, in, in Old Testament times, a covenant was made between two people, and they would, they would take animals, and they would cut them in half, and they would lay them in half, and with the blood on them of the severed animals, they would pass between the pieces. They would walk in between the pieces. And so the two of them were basically saying, I am intertwining my life with you. And I am saying to you, as I walk among the pieces of these dead animals, may it be done unto me, may what be, may it be done unto me, what was done to these carcasses, if I negate the covenant. That's the agreement. That's the severity of the covenant, of the agreement of the covenant. The, the, the two people are saying, so be it to me. I will be as these dead animals if I negate my part of the covenant. Jumping back into the story, let me ask you this. What was Abram doing at that time? He was asleep. He is asleep. Abram has no part in making the covenant. He cuts the animals. He goes to sleep. And God walks among the pieces while Abram is asleep. And he is saying, Abram, though you are faithless, though you are asleep, though you don't know what's going on, I am making this covenant. And I will keep this covenant. And it doesn't depend upon you. It depends on me and my righteousness and my goodness and my character. And let me tell you something, that ought to bring great joy to each and every one of us. Because how many of us fall asleep on the job? How many of us forsake the covenant? But God is saying, no, I am the one who promises. I am the one who initiates. I'm the one who keeps the covenant. It didn't depend upon Abram. It depended upon God. And so we see that, that, that God has simply said, as I walk among the pieces with my covenant, when I make a covenant with you, may it be done unto me what is done to these animals. May my flesh be torn. May, may I be divided if I fail to keep covenant with you. We are a covenant people. God will never fail us. The third thing that we see, we see the Ark of Covenant and the Abraham, the Ark of Redemption and the Abrahamic Covenant. Uh, it begins with a promise from God. It's initiated by and kept by God. But the third thing is, it requires a response from those who accept it. You see, man's display, this is what we get to do. Man's display of the acceptance of the terms and condition of the covenant is circumcision. We get to cut away very serious flesh, hurtful flesh. We, we, there, is a, there is a cutting away of flesh that must be uh, a sign of us being set apart unto the Lord. So though we don't have any process in making the covenant, the way that we express that we are a part of the covenant is we have a circumcision of our flesh. We have a cutting away. We have a set apart nature. And the Jewish people were known as being set apart because of their circumcision. That was how, that was their mark. Let's look at what it says. There were, see, there were 13 years that passed between the initial covenant experience in Genesis chapter 15 and Genesis chapter 17. God said to Abraham in Genesis 17 verses 1 to 8, he's talking about how he's going to make him a people of covenant and he changes his name. There's a whole nother sermon right there just in the change that has to happen, brothers and sisters. When we come into faith in Christ Jesus, there must be a change in our lives. If there is not a resulting change in our lives, there is no really entering into a covenant. Saying words doesn't do anything until there is a change in our hearts. 
But look into Genesis chapter 17, verse 10. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And this shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. The display of acceptance of the covenant back in those days was a cutting away of the flesh through circumcision. The fourth thing that we see in the Ark of Redemption in the Abrahamic covenant uh, was that the, 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 the covenant will be fulfilled by God. God will establish a people, a land, and a son of promise. Look at Genesis chapter 17, verse 7. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring. That's a people. Your offspring after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant. To God, to you, and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you to your and to your offspring after you all of the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. So here it is. I'm making this covenant. I'm going to give you a people. And I'm going to give you a, a place. I'm going to give you a possession. I'm going to give you a land. I am going to not only give you that, I'm going to establish you. Again, it's not what you are doing. God is doing the establishing. He is establishing a people and he is establishing a land. God gives an offspring and God gives the land of Canaan. Then in verse 19, he says, and God said to Sarah, your wife, God said, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you will call his name Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Here it is. I'm going to give your wife, your 90-year-old wife, you're 100 years old. Is it possible for you to have to, to, to produce uh, offspring? It is not possible for either of you to do this. However, with me, all things are possible. And so therefore, I can create out of barrenness. I can create out of nothingness. I can create a future and a destiny and a covenant because, number one, it doesn't depend upon you because you were asleep when I made the covenant. It depends upon me and I am God and I'm able to do this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, when you enter into covenant with God, you have a God who is faithful to keep his covenant throughout all generations to you. So he says, I will give you a son. His name will be Isaac. He even names the son. And his, he will be the son of promise. And his son, Jacob, will later become Israel who will then become the nation of Israel. This is God from the beginning, Genesis chapter 17, saying, I make a promise, I initiate the covenant, you accept the covenant, and when you do, I'm giving you a people and a land. You see, the Ark of Redemption in the Abrahamic Covenant begins with a promise. It is initiated by God. It requires circumcision, and it is fulfilled by God. So let's now take a look at the Ark of Redemption in the uh, as it compares to the new covenant. We're going to leave Genesis now. The ark of redemption in the new covenant begins with a promise from God. And I would ask you just to jot these down if you're a note taker because you're not going to have time to flip back and forth between all of them. But it begins, the ark of the, the redemption in the new covenant begins with a promise from God. Matthew chapter 1 verse 20. An angel of the Lord appeared to jo saying, Joseph, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people. Here it is. I have a promise, and that promise is I'm going to do a work that is amazing. I'm going to have a virgin become pregnant, and she is going to deliver it. He will be the Savior of the world. His name is Jesus, which means salvation. 
That's the first promise. There's, there's a Savior. Isaiah chapter 53. If you want to study a whole thing about the whole coming of the Messiah and the Savior and the people that he will save, read all of Isaiah chapter 53. But in verse 10, it says, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. When his soul, that's speaking of uh, Jesus when he went to the cross. When, when his soul makes an offering from sin, for sin, he shall see his offering. That's the people. That's the promise. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. You see, what Jesus does is through his flesh, through his torn flesh, through the brokenness that he gives, he creates a people for himself. Finally, in John chapter 14 verse 2 Jesus speaking to his disciples on the night he was betrayed says this in my father's house are many rooms if it were not so would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you Jesus said look not only are there other people I am the savior but I am going to prepare a place for you so the second thing we see, first of all, it was the, the, the new covenant ark redemption begins with a promise from God. Secondly, it's initiated by God. Look at John chapter 6, verse 44. God draws. No one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws him. The Spirit of God will draw people to Christ. Let me just tell you one of the greatest fallacies I think in today is people saying, well, when I get older, I'll get saved. When I've lived my life the way I want to live my life, when I've done all that I want to do, when I've done all the running around, when I've done everything that I want to do, when I've experienced it all, then I'll come to faith in Christ. Let me tell you something. You are not assured of the Spirit of God drawing you any more than the time, the initial time that he begins to draw you. That is why it is so important. God says that today is the day of salvation. You're not sure, you're not assured of tomorrow. And so when you hear the word of God, when you hear the voice of God calling you to himself, it is time to respond. It's not time to put it off. And this is not me trying to beg anybody to do anything. I'm simply saying the truth. And that is that you don't come to God on your own. God is the one who draws. We don't initiate anything just like Abraham didn't initiate anything in the covenant. Ephesians 1.13 says, let him, uh, let, in him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So just like I used to put green stamps in a book saying, knowing full well that one day I was going to take this down to 2900 Seminary Drive, and I was going to get my Coleman, I mean my thermos lantern. Just like that, the Holy Spirit is the seal. He is the SNH green stamp, if you will. Oh, that's a bad illustration, but he is, he is our stamp of seal. He is the one who has sealed us. You don't do anything to stamp yourself. It's the Holy Spirit who seals you until the day when you become the full possession, uh, in, until you receive your full possession in heaven. The third thing that we see in the Ark of Redemption in the New Covenant is that it requires a response from those who accept it. It requires circumcision. Romans 2 verse 28 says this, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. Let me tell you, you can say I'm saved all you want, but until there is a resultant change, there is no salvation. 
until you have a circumcision of your heart, until you have a cutting away of the flesh, until, until the, the, the sin of your flesh pains you and you say, you know what, I need to cut this away. There is no evidence of salvation because you don't just pray a prayer, you live a life. What are the marks of those with a circumcised heart? I believe it's those who are quick to repent, those who are quick to forgive, those who are quick to bless, those who are quick to rejoice, those who are quick to worship even in trials, those who are quick to serve, those who are quick to come to the aid of others, those who are quick to fulfill their word. These are signs of someone who is set apart. You see, because the heart is deceitfully wicked and the heart wants what it wants. And I want you to leave me alone, except unless you want to serve me, then I'll let you serve me. But other than that, I don't want you messing with me. I'd rather just go home and watch Netflix all day. And I don't care about anybody else. I'm just going to do my deal. And you live your life. I'll live my life. You have your truth. I have my truth. You hurt me. I'm never going to forgive you. And let me tell you something. That is not the sign of a circumcised heart. The sign of a circumcised heart simply says, though you have hurt me, I will forgive you. If I have hurt where I have hurt you, not if I have hurt you, where I have hurt you, I will come to you and I will repent uh, of that. I will worship even in the midst of trials. I will thank the Lord. I will be quick to serve rather than quick to be served. I will be quick to fulfill my word. I will be quick to rejoice. And those are things that I just simply say, I would ask you to take some time today and just reflect on that and say, Lord, is this me? Is there anything in this? As I was re-going over uh, the, the, the sermon this morning, this was one where the Lord just said, I want you to camp right here because I want to do a work in people today that are listening online and that are here uh, in, in, in the congregation. Is your heart circumcised? Do you forgive quickly? Do you release? Do you bless? Do you rejoice? Do you worship? Do you serve? Those are things that if you don't, your heart is not circumcised. Now, I don't mean that we can't ever mess up. There's always grace. But I'm saying if this, is, if, if this is a pattern in your life, I really encourage you to check the circumcision. You see, the deal is, is that it is vital to living the fullness of God's promise by having a clean and circumcised heart. I, I am fully convinced that people live below what God wants because they are unwilling to circumcise their heart daily. And I will tell you the way I do that is I'll spend some drive time. I'll spend some time in the morning. I'll spend some time at night. Just, Lord, is there anybody that I need to repent to? Is there anybody I need to forgive? Lord, is there any place that I have failed to give you thanks for things? Is there any way that I, one of the things I've started doing in my journal is I've started writing, I am thankful for, I am thankful for, I'm thankful for. I realized how unthankful I have just been. For so long, that was a circumcision of my heart that needed to happen. I needed to have a, a, a heart of thankfulness. I just encourage you, let it, let it be a mirror and say, is this what's going on in your life? The fourth thing. It begins with a promise from God. It's initiated by God. It requires a response. Finally, uh, it will be fulfilled by God at the return of Christ. God will have his people and his people will have their inheritance. In John chapter 14, verse 3, it's, Jesus said, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. I have the assurance of heaven. God went away. Jesus went away. He prepared a place in heaven and he is coming back for me one of these days. Either coming to meet him in the air or if I go by death, I will have a place in heaven. It is assured in heaven because of the right relationship that he created through his covenant, him being faithful to his covenant. I have that. That is an assurance that I have. 
Revelation 21. So here we started in Genesis. We're ending in Revelation. Revelation 21 verse 2. I saw New Jerusalem coming out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Let me tell you something. God will come and dwell with us. What a glorious thought. God dwelling with you. God inviting you to be his people. God inviting you to come and to tabernacle with him. This is God saying, I am extending you my full blessings of covenant and I have kept it. I've made it. I've kept it. I've initiated it. All I ask you to do is come and let me be your people. We have a God who deals with us and dwells with us. Find the Revelation chapter 21 verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. He will make all things new. Verse 20, uh, chapter 22, verse 12. I am coming soon and I will repay everyone, everyone for what he has done. There is a day coming where you and I will stand before the Lord and we will give an account and we will make payment for everything that we have done. And God is saying, I've already paid for the bad. Will you simply receive my end of the covenant? Will you allow me to enter into covenant with you? And I will keep it. Though you are faithless, I am faithful. Revelation chapter 22 verse 20 says this. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Look at what the response is. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. Are you ready for Jesus to come? Can we say amen? Come Lord Jesus. Is anybody willing to say that? Come on. Amen. Come on Lord Jesus. Come on. Lord, we're ready. Lord, we want you to come through. Lord, you have been the faithful one throughout all generations. You started in Genesis. Now we're here. We are in Revelation. And you are saying, I initiate. I promise. I am keeping it. And I will keep it. And I will redeem you. And I will have a people unto myself. And all you have to do is circumcise your heart. And I will come again for you that where I am, you may also be. And forever we will be eternally with him. And what we say is, yes, Lord, come. That is our response. So in closing, the ark of the redemption from Genesis to Revelation, the comparison of the Abrahamic covenant and the new covenant. Look at them. Number one, promised by God. Promised by God. Initiated and kept by God. Initiated and kept by God. Requires a circumcision. Requires a circumcision. Was fulfilled by God. The new covenant will be fulfilled by God. One day, he's coming. Why is it important? Because Jesus is coming back for those with a circumcised heart. God is faithful and he is able to keep the covenant that you, that he made with you. God is working his ark of redemption from the beginning to the end. He's restoring a people back to himself. And just like that day where my little six and a half books of green stamps and my little idea book walked into the redemption center. And I said, I'm here to claim what's mine. They said, what do you have in exchange? I said, I got these six and a half books and I want that lantern. God made that exchange. He said, I've put the blood of the lamb into the book and I've sealed you with the Holy Spirit and I claim you. I want you. I want you to be with me forever. Will you allow that ark of redemption to be yours? Will you allow the Lord to circumcise your hearts? Let's stand together. Father, we bow before you today and we understand that you are God and you are good and that you are your covenant 
initiator, you're the covenant promiser, the covenant initiator, the covenant keeper. And the only thing we need to do, the only thing we get to do is circumcise our hearts. And Father, right now, in the quietness of this moment, we say thank you. Can you just thank the Lord? Can you thank the Lord for him giving the Abrahamic covenant, but that which could not be kept because the blood of goats and lambs and bulls cannot cover sin, but the blood of the lamb is the one who covers. Can we just say thank you for that? Thank you, God. May we be those who stand boldly before you and say, yes, Lord, come, Lord Jesus. May you find a pure and spotless bride ready for your return. In Jesus' name. Amen.